Father in heaven, thank you so much for this um, wonderful opportunity we have this afternoon to hear about your plan for marriage. I thank you for each person that is here and each couple that is represented, whether their spouse is here or not. Lord, we know that the devil has been very busy and he's out there trying to destroy us, destroy our relationships and our marriages, but our homes. But we know that you're stronger and more powerful. And I just ask that as, as Tom and Elaine share, that you would um, just so fill this room, that your presence will be here in a powerful way, that you will work miracles in uh, the lives of those of us who are um, needing that. And Father, we just um, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here at camp meeting. Bring those that need to be here today. And again, we just thank you so much for loving us and that you're going to be coming soon to put an end to all of this mess down here. So thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm just going to let them take over from now. And um, is that, that's good. Thank you, Gail. All right, so they told me at the soundboard that since whoever had opening prayer, so we're good to go, right? <laughs> okay, with the recording. Well, it's delightful to be here with you, and for me, it's an, an added joy because I went to school when this school was Cedar Lake Academy. <laughs> so you can find his pictures out there in the archives of the class of 1974. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and fortunately, we had enough other things happening because when my wife saw that picture out there, she said, I want you to tell me what girlfriends you had while you were here. <laughs> and he said, girlfriends? And I said, yes, you were here for two years, two to three a year. That would be four to six girls I should see their pictures of, right? And I said, it wasn't like that. <laughs> I said, was it more? And he didn't answer the, no. <laughs> but we have been busy ever since. So anyway, maybe we'll have a chance to look through those pictures as well. Yeah, we'll see. So today, <laughs> it is a delight to be with you. And we're looking forward to what God has in store for all of us. One of the greatest blessings that we have as we minister in many places in the world is that what we share is a blessing to us as well as you. Amen. Because what we share are not just topics about marriage. They are a part of who we are. They are what has helped us become more like Christ and have a, a, a greater love. And so we're not just sharing something for you. We're sharing something for all of us today. That's right. And today what we're going to be talking about is an enduring commitment. Is that a good place to start? Can, can I give a couple other things before Go we get it. going? Absolutely. Before we actually get in the topic of today, um, at the end of each day, we're, we, we're going to do a drawing, okay? And so when you came in, you were asked to put your names on paper and put it in a little box or something back there. So we hope you did that. If not, we'll give you permission to slip back there and do that. Now, if you are the person who wins the drawing today, then tomorrow and the remainder, please don't put your name in the box, okay? Because we want to give somebody else an opportunity to take away something that's a little bit more memorable from this seminar. 
And also, at the end of each presentation, maybe we'll do it today, but for the rest of the week, the last 10 to 15 minutes, we are setting aside for question and answer. So there's also some papers on that entry table that you can write questions on and just make sure they get to us and we will answer them. I mean, we don't mind taking a hand, you know, one of these kind of questions, but sometimes the questions are of sensitive nature and you may not feel comfortable being the one to raise your hand and have the other hundred people turn around and see you ask your question. So we try to be sensitive to that because we know this seminar is designed to, to bring our marriages closer in love with one another and closer to the love creator, Christ our Savior. So we, we will talk about some of those more uh, sensitive topics throughout the seminar. Not today, so those of you who brought your children, you're fine. You don't have to panic. But we will let you know when those topics are going to come up. So anyway, we're delighted. That's just some housekeeping things. And lastly, my husband did bring ties, okay? Here it is, proof. And he was getting ready to put it on. And Gail said, you don't have to wear that. Is that okay with you guys? He doesn't have to wear it? Oh, okay. oh thank you. I, I was so relieved. We just came from our California family retreat. We flew out yesterday from California, and it was nearly 100 degrees. And my husband, it was Sabbath, so he had his tie on. And I started sweating just looking at him because his collar was going wet and the beads of sweat was coming down, and the air conditioner could not keep up with the volume of people packed into the auditorium. So anyway, I said, honey, I thought it would be okay. So I'll be cooler and he'll be more comfortable, so Thank we'll you. do good together. <laughs> we appreciate that. When we made our vows together as husband and wife, did we do that as a disposable contract? No, absolutely not. We were making vows we were making a commitment that was to endure, at least in one phrase of uh, the vows when we did it. And I don't, I'm not sure if that's changing, but it was until death. Do us part. Do us part, right? We live in a society today where that commitment in many people's thinkings, and it's kind of scary because, you know, by beholding we become changed. And what we behold today in much of the world is going downhill very quickly. And there is an intentional agenda. And I'm sure most of you know this, if not all of you. An intentional agenda to destroy the marriage that God sanctified. And to say that not only does marriage not matter, but... You know, it doesn't even matter that we're made in the image of God anymore because we can just be... Whatever we want to be has no relevance. I saw something recently that was shocking. A person who decided they wanted to be a dog. I don't know if any of you have ever seen that. But they decided to be a dog and now they go around as a dog. That's how they dress. They have special... I mean, this world is unraveling, but our marriages don't have to unravel with the world. Do you believe that? Amen. And so we made a commitment, for better or for worse, and all those things that was going to endure. You know, we also, when we, made, when we said those wedding vows, we made that commitment, we also got a certificate, right? 
an official document, right, that our names are inscribed on, and the pastor or whoever did the service that their name is on. And do you know, how many of you know where that, that marriage license is, marriage certificate? Okay, good. Ours is Excellent. still hanging on the wall, 37 years, <laughs> hasn't faded out yet. We try not to put it in the direct sun. But it's more than that document. It's more than a piece of paper. It is what we have committed to, to love one another and before God. So it has eternal uh, value, doesn't it? It is an eternal contract because it was signed and, and sealed in heaven, this earthly marriage here. So for too many of us, and no matter how, how great your marriage is or how, how stressed your marriage may be, for all of us, we still find times that sometimes marriage can be challenging, right? If we're honest, I mean... Anybody married more than 40 years? Can I see your hands? 40 years? Okay. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Anybody past the 50 mark? Good. 60 mark? Praise God. Okay. We're going for 85 years, minimum. <laughs> that's not next year. <laughs> no, 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 no. I meant <laughs> 37 that's our right goal because we just read something recently that says now within the, you know, this new generation coming that don't be surprised all these people living to 100 plus years old. Right? So, wow, I said, with that, we can bump up our expectation of how long we get to live happily ever after. <laughs> so we're shooting for 85 and maybe more, should the Lord linger that long. But all of us have times when our self gets in the way of that enduring commitment. And our self is what helps to create the conflict that sometimes leads to misunderstandings and maybe pain and disappointment, discouragement. Yeah, we call it the me focus. I wish we would have understood this when we got married. I'm just interested, having said that, how many of you have seen the program that we did on marriage, uh, marriage in God's hands on 3ABN? I'm just interested. Oh, There's a few. Okay. okay. Because I'm going to reference back. In that program, um, we talk about what we went through in our first year of marriage. Now, when we fell in love, we really fell in love. We, and we, we loved each other through some of the hardest things in our first year of marriage. We would have never dreamed we would go through it. But we didn't understand that the reason we were going through it is because we were each in the me focus. Yes, that's why it gets quiet. <laughs> the me focus is something that we don't get educated about when we go into marriage. Most people don't get marriage counseling before they go into marriage. And the me focus simply means that I'm coming into this marriage knowing who I am or thinking I know who I am and believing in who I am, and I've lived with who I am. Now I'm going to join my, my life with this wonderful woman, or she, saying this wonderful man, hopefully. Absolutely. Okay? <laughs> but what we don't realize is that after we say our vows and we get into the real life of the marriage, we're going to find out that there's two me's. That me and this me. And we will begin deciding which me we shall be. 
oh, well, she thinks she's lived pretty good too, <laughs> right? She, I mean, she's not living a of different life. Of course I lived good. Of course. <laughs> she's very confident that God has been leading her, and, and now it says in our marriage vows that the two shall become... <laughs> we all know that part. But which one shall we be? And then we begin to face difficulties and challenges. And we have our default mode of operation. And that's the way I always handle this. Don't you know? <laughs> I mean, this is the way I've always done it. And the older we are when we get married, the more in a rut we are when we face the challenges. And she says, but wait a minute, honey. We've never had this before. And I know how we need to handle this. What do you mean you know how to handle this? And so what ends up happening is that two me's who have only known what it means to be my life must begin to blend together and we don't often do it right. And it ends up creating problems. It ends up creating arguments, fights, misunderstandings. And sadly, the communication can begin very early in marriage to go into its corners. And sometimes nobody else knows it. Sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. And pretty soon we find out that it's easier not to communicate about certain things. And we hope that by the end of, well, by the end of today, but by the end of this week, if you stay with us, you will be fully convinced that living in the me focus is, you've lived in it too long or you've reverted back to it too many times, and that God can keep us living in the us focus. The me focus revolves around the worldview I have of me, and if all you guys can make me happy, I can be happy doesn't work that way. The us focus revolves around we are looking for one another's happiness in a blended life with Christ. The two shall become one. Amen. So this enduring commitment that we've all agreed to, what we, what we want to do this week in the seminar Marriage Heart to Heart is we want to... Uh, Spoof it up, okay? Let's, let's, let's get some sparkle back into our relationships. Even if they're great, they can be greater the Amen. next day. And so wherever we find ourselves, we know in, in this kind of a group, we have some who are very much in love and very have very little conflict. And we also know that some of you are hanging on by a thread, even though no one else in the room, maybe even your family don't know that. So by the end of this week... We want to encourage you that no matter where we are in the relationship, we can build it heart to heart, truly heart to heart. And let's see all the good that God wants to do in our relationships so that we can get the most from the relationship and then we have the most to give from our relationship to others. You see, Christ, when he gave the privilege of marriage between a man and a woman, he used this relationship as husband and wife to be the relationship to demonstrate his love for us as his, as his family, as his bride, even though we're sinners. 
So it is a tremendous honor and privilege and challenge that our relationships truly reflect that kind of divine love and the joy that his love brings in our lives so that when people uh, come in contact with us as couples, they see something different in our relationship than they see in the -the run-of-the-mill relationships out there. So it's not just about ourselves. It's about spreading the gospel through the, the influence of a happy Amen. marriage. So we want to encourage us all in that. Uh, in this, this discussion day in Enduring Commitment, we've written a book called For Better or For Worse. Well, we crossed the worst out. We, we all know what the worst side is, so we put best, okay? So For Better or For Best. This book is in the ABC, and there's an entire chapter on this topic in enduring commitment. So because it's already in written format, we're going to diverge a little bit because we want to go right back to the beginning before we were married, and we're going to take off from there. And before we, yeah, go ahead and put that. Before we launch into that beginning, um, new beginnings for all of us here, (laughs) what we wanted to do, just off of what my wife said, if there's someone here or some couple here, who is feeling like you're on the last thread. My wife said that because everywhere we do this, everywhere in the world, there's at least one situation in the audience. Whether that's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people or 20. That is feeling at least like their marriage is on the last thread, almost hopeless. If there's someone here, and you don't have to be hopeless, okay? That's right. But if there's someone or some couple here, we are not the kind of of speaker, and this is nothing against other speakers, but we call it hit and run. They just do their message and then they're gone, okay? We want to be here for you. And if you want to talk to us privately, and I can assure you it is private, nothing will ever be shared with anybody else, we are, we are happy to do that, okay? We are happy to set up time that we can meet face-to-face. And, and again, it doesn't have to be because your marriage is on its last okay, leg good. of thread. <laughs> it, it can, maybe you just want to get acquainted and, and get to know us. That's fine, but we're open to that and want to offer that to you. So what we want to do uh, to launch us in to where we want to take the rest of this time today is each of you were giving a card or a piece of paper. Does everybody have one? Okay. Um, If there's, yes, thank you for, uh, Gail Mitchiff is going to bring some around. There's a few. So raise your hands high if you don't have a card. A card or a piece of paper. Sorry. We'll get some help there. Okay, thank you. We need one per person if possible. One per person of married couples, Okay. Okay, well, then we got several people hanging out. This is Thank an you. exercise, especially for each individual of the couple, okay? That will be a very practical exercise that will be a new starting point for what can be a blessing through this week. Okay, and, and obviously you have the paper, so hopefully you have something to write with a pen, a pencil. <sighs> Uh, some kind yeah, of your writing you utensil. If you don't have anything to write with, we're in trouble because we don't have anything to write with. Oh, they have pins oh, back there as well. Oh, they have pencils. Well. Oh, they're, 
Thank you, thank you, Gail, for I have a couple of personal pens, pens here. Looks like they have them. Okay. This is a very important part of what we're going to be doing and what's going to happen from here on through the week. And so we don't mind taking a couple of moments here for this to get into your hands. Okay, I think we've got just about everybody covered. So we're going to explain what you are going to do for the next two minutes on your card, okay, or on your sheet of paper. What we want you to do is to go back in time in your mind to what it was about your spouse that attracted you and that you fell in love with. So for all of us ladies, that means we want to go back in time and on our paper start writing down those qualities about our husband that we admired so much, that we fell in love with, that, that was so powerful that it made us want to say, yes, I do want to be your wife. So ladies, that's what you start to do. You can put as many on there as you can in two minutes. Okay, and husbands, and you're going to find out that we're, in this, this part of the message, we're going to be talking about how we adore our wife and what it was, okay, so you have this, this time to write down what it was that attracted you, what you adored about your wife, what you loved about your wife, what... Wife-to-be. Sorry, wife-to-be. <laughs> yeah, I can't jump the gun there. And so this is all pre-wedding day. All right? So we're going to give you two minutes to write these things down, okay? If your husband's not here, that's fine. Or if your wife's not here, just write, write it down because it's still going to be great for you to do this uh, activity together. And the time is going. It's what you loved about your spouse to be that you wanted to connect your life with them. Come on in. We are, everybody's doing their assignment of writing down what they, what attracted them to their wife or husband to be, what, what they loved about each other before the wedding day. So if you don't have a piece of paper, uh, we're out of time. We're out of time. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> you get one later. Yeah, you can get one at the end and do the assignment. So how many of you got at least 10 things on your list? Let's see your hands. Hands high. Okay, a few. Okay, that's good. Very good. That's very Cause, good because that's only two minutes. And for, 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 we did this exercise at home. And you really, you really go back. You have to really remember all the preceding. We had to go back 37 years to remember. It's a good okay? exercise. It's very good. How many got at least five to seven? Let's see your hands. Oh, oh the majority of you right excellent. there. Excellent. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list by any means. We hope it is an exhaustive list because we know what, what you could have experienced the same thing we did when we started to do this, and I actually gave myself the two-minute timer. I didn't. But I did mine first, and we did it, I did it in two minutes. And in two minutes of time, as I reflected, I started having some really nice thoughts come back in my, my thinking. And, and not that I don't have nice thoughts all the time, but they were special thoughts, okay, that have been built on for years. 
Then I kept saying to my husband, honey, have you done this yet? He says, not yet. I'm going to get to it. He says, oh, it takes two minutes. He says, yeah, but I want to be able to relax when I do it. So anyway, he did his list, but he forgot about the timer. And I came in the office, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes later. I said, did you get it done? He says, oh, yeah, I'm just finishing up. I said, finishing up? How long did you take? He says, oh, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 minutes. So but I got, I got a lot more things, but I can't read them all. So I share that because we want you not to stop with the two minutes here, okay? We, <laughs> want, <like> you, <laughs> we want you to take it on from here. And go back and don't feel time pressure, but finish it out. Okay, so <clears throat> this is the part I'm excited about. I get to share a little bit of my list, okay? Do, I don't get to share a little bit of my yeah, list? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to give you the reason. Okay. After you get your complete list, so maybe you have four, five, seven things. A few of you had ten things already. Talk about them. Share. Why did you put that? He, he shared with me why he put these on the list. I shared with him, I tell you, that just really strengthens the love and the bond, okay? So we're going to give you a little, little window into our lives pre-marriage, and we're going to take it from there over the next 37 years in the next 40 minutes. Yeah, and plus <laughs> the, rest, the rest of the days of the week. You'll yeah, get the rest little, of the days of the You'll week. get little pictures of our life. Okay, the very first time I met my wife was in the Department of Radiology, at Hinsdale Hospital, which is an Adventist hospital outside of Chicago. And I didn't know this at the time, but she was a new hire at the hospital. She was an intensive care nurse that had been hired on to be the nurse recruiter, the first nurse recruiter for Hinsdale Hospital. She comes walking into the back recesses of radiology, which means you have to go through lots of doors to get to get to that place, and I was the evening supervisor at the time, and when she came in to that door, I can remember exactly everything about that moment. If you asked me, because she was handing out the, the new employee handbook <laughs> to get acquainted with the employees of the hospital, if you were to ask me anything about the new employee handbook today, I couldn't tell you one thing if I was on a witness stand. <laughs> Sworn to an oath. <laughs> but I can remember when she walked in that door, I was attracted. And I'm still attracted. Thank so, you. it was, uh, I was very attracted to her. First time we met, I found out over the time before we got married that she was full of life and energy. She was vivacious. I loved that. She was so happy in her disposition. I had known, unfortunately, I'd known other girls, and they were moody, so moody, so many times, unpredictable. Now, I'm sure that not, I know all women are not moody, but she was not moody, and after 37 years of marriage, she's not a moody person. I love that. She was self-possessed. I found out she is not driven by peer pressure. That was encouraging to me because of, you know, where I'd been in my own life. She was fun to be with. She was who she was, not who she was trying to make me think she was. She had an uplifting and refining influence on me. She was very affectionate and romantic. Still is. Gets better all the time. We're actually on our 
long-term second honeymoon now. All the children are <laughs> out of the home. Our baby just turned 31 this weekend, okay? So they're, they're gone. Now her mother lives with us. But uh, <laughs> as I say to people, she's deaf. So anyway, it, Not it's really, good. but she okay, is extremely she's hard of hearing. <laughs> right. So that's, that's a benefit on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, very... <laughs> Very honest and open communication. I love that. Still do. Deeply caring. And one of the things that was very meaningful to me from the very beginning, she was very affirming to me. Do you know men like to be affirmed? I have never met a man that doesn't appreciate being appreciated. I get like that quietness. She was spiritually motivated and principled. She was organized and efficient and very creative. The list could go on. It does go I on, have, actually, but he's I not going to read it I have a whole list because I didn't do the two-minute thing, yeah. but I can't read them all. So, again, as we share, think about your relationship. And, again, we're giving context to what we're sharing here because we want you to give context to one another as you share your list together. So the first thing that, not, not the first thing I noticed, because obviously the first time I met him, all I know is that he was just another face I was giving the book to, okay? It was a little bit intimidating to go through three or four doors to find human beings in a department, you know? Nursing units, you get off the elevator and you can see everybody right there. But uh, it, it was a little bit odd because being the new hire, being the new nurse recruiter, I assumed I would do all of the nursing units so I could meet all the nurses in the hospital. But they gave me all the ancillary departments. So x-ray being one of them, I had to go through the recessed doors there. But he was very happy. I mean, the first time I saw him, he had a big smile on his face. I didn't know it was because of me, but anyway. Uh, I thought he was excited to get an employee handbook so he knew his benefits, you know. So anyway, he, he's happy and energetic. I like that, that he was very energetic and happy. All the time we knew each other until we got engaged and, and after. I mean, you still are happy and energetic. But I mean, as we got to know each other more and more, it was who he was, happy and energetic. He was very spiritual, and I really liked that because that was important to me. I'd been through other relationships, and I didn't want to be the spiritual leader of the home, and that caused me to step away. But when I saw his leadership, not to impress me, but because that was his desire and who he was, that was very attractive. His commitment to God, he had his own experience. Um, now, this is when I met him. He did have a, a little bit different reputation from previous years there that, that I became aware of through other people talking, but that wasn't the person that I knew. So that shows you that it doesn't matter where we come from, God's grace is sufficient to change any of us, right? Amen. And then he was a great communicator. For me, I love that. I did not have to initiate the conversations. I didn't have to try to think up and ask you know, 20 questions to find out what was upstairs in that matter because he shared so openly and honestly and freely and that was extremely attractive and meaningful for me. He was also honest, not only of who he was now in his relationship with God and how he felt about me, but more importantly or just as importantly, he was honest about where he had been and what he had done and didn't try to hide anything from me. 
that is extremely securing for any young lady going into marriage to know that they ha the man they're going to unite their life with is honest. And I believe most men want to go into marriage honestly, and most women do as well. But all of us sometimes have things from our past that we may be humiliated by, embarrassed by, sickened by, ashamed of, but we need to be honest about you know, what we've done. He was extremely handsome and fit, and I still think he is, after 37 years. And anyway, I won't go into that, but <laughs> anyway. You, thank you, dear. Don't go any further into that. <laughs> Athletic, active, I like that. My, my siblings were two older brothers. So growing up, I played all the sports. I was the on the basketball team, I was on the football team, and the baseball team. So I was always on a winning team because you have to have, you know, I, I went, I was always on the offense in football, okay? That means, so I won. No matter which brother won, I won with that brother. And the same thing in basketball. Three of you you know, we have, we have a team, you know? And so, anyway, that was fun to know that he enjoyed sports. He was very confident. Later I learned maybe sometimes a little bit too much, but anyway, that was very impressive. Uh, a high achiever, and he had direction in life. I really, that drew me. Also how he related to his mother and his father when they come to visit, and I would see him interact with them in the Sabbath school or wherever. I, he, I always knew when his parents were coming because he was excited about it. He wasn't ashamed of mom and dad in his 20s. He, you know, he was very warm and embracing. He sat next to his mother. They, he had a special bond to his parents, and I particularly paid attention to how he treated his mother, how he spoke of, to his mother, and how he, uh, I'm going to use the word, adored his mother. He really loved his mother and father, but the mother, because we know that as a man treats his mother, so will the wife step into that role. Not the mother's role, but it will, it will go to the wife, and I've really appreciated that about him. He was extremely caring and always looked for the underdog. Look for the lonely person. Look for the person who didn't fit into the group or the clique or all those things. He was sensitive to other people. And that was so much a part of who I was that when I saw that in a guy, that was very attractive to me. And I'm not going to read anymore. I will say he loved children, and that was a good thing too. But anyway, these things all drew my heart to him. And it, it brought, it, it started, I started falling in love with him for who he was as I saw him and as I knew him as a friend and, and as we worked together in the young adult Sabbath school. I started falling in love with him and I had no clue that he had any interest in me. So I prayed prayers like this, Lord, help me not to love him in the wrong way. Take this love that is growing in my heart away because it's not appropriate because obviously he's not interested in me. But, Lord, if you know that there's something there, then you have to grow that love. Well, here we are, 37 years later, God grew that love. Amen. And you just reminded me of something, um, and if you get the book, <clears throat> you'll read this, but we have talked to so many couples who said yes Yes, I know it's supposed to be an enduring commitment, but there's nothing left. There is no more love. 
I don't have anything for this man in some cases or for this woman. And we've always been able to say, yes, there is something left. Well, what? You made a vow before God to love each other mm-hmm. until death do us part. You know, people take a mortgage contract so seriously, although not as seriously today, I understand. But it seems like that's an understood contract. There's some accountability for that. And here we make a a commitment before God and our friends and our family that we vow for the rest of our lives until death do us part. There is something left. And if, if there's somebody here today that feels like there's nothing left, there is something left. And God can breathe life and love back into that relationship. Amen. We have seen it, I don't want to exaggerate, but scores of times. Not things we've read from other stories, but experiences we have had the privilege of being involved in. It is not too late. That's right. It is not too late. So now we want to talk about the dictionary definitions of adore and admire. Because if you will take these two words, adore your wife and admire your husband, and if in just this week, this is, we have fun with this, just in this week, if you will take those cards or those papers you've written on, if you will take the time quietly to write a few more things that you didn't get time to write like I did, take extra time, and put your thought into it, God will take you back to that place. And in this week, you can see love grow. Amen. I was going to say love rekindled, but for many of you, you're, you're in love. But you'll see love grow. I am amazed at how love grows. Sometimes we say to each other, I don't know how we could love each other anymore. There's nobody in the world that I'd rather be with than this girl right here. She knows that. And so this week, if you will take these, these thoughts and begin to apply what you've written down and what you will write down, and you begin to live that out, not wait for him or her to live it towards you, live it out to them. So here's, here's, the, here's the definition for adore. To love deeply, to get butterflies when I see her and yet be myself. Do you think you can still get butterflies after 37 years of marriage? What do you think? Raise your hands. (laughs) Come on, guys. What do you think? All right. I thought I was going to get a verbal theoretical, but it can still happen. It does happen, okay? Absolutely. Not necessarily every day. I almost launched into a story, but I knew you'd step on my toe if I did that. So anyway, I won't go there. That's our little signal that if I'm going somewhere off it, she might be concerned she steps on my toe. So now you oh, all know I, that if she does. Just gently, honey. I don't smash it. Yeah. But they can see what I do here, so I have to be careful. So I won't go down that track. <laughs> to think of a new code, silent code language, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. To like very much and to regard with the utmost esteem. To honor men. How much do we honor our wife? Okay. And to have respect and admiration. Now, we pick these two words intentionally. 
because they're words that we know, but words we don't often use, especially in this relationship. We, we can say, oh, I really admired that person. They, they have this talent or that talent. We need to bring those words and what they mean and the depth of their meaning into this relationship. And so we understand that truly the only adoration that should be given is to God. Okay, so we're, we want to be sensitive. No one misunderstand that this relationship here supersedes God, doesn't in any way. But we just hear the word love, 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 love so much that we have a very generic understanding of the word, okay? So we intentionally pick the word adore for the man to the wife. Now, I adore my husband as well, and, a man, and he, he admires me as well. So they're not just uh, gender exclusive, but in the proper understanding of a husband's love for his wife, it is okay for him to adore his wife. Amen. And I... Not indulge. Not indulge and adore. And I know, and as our lives continue, as we you know get older and our and our lives continue to grow, I see more and more of the proper adoration, not the adoration toward God, but the, that love, the word adore, that lovingness coming forth from him that really just sometimes is unbelievable how how much it is and and what it means to me so that's why we picked that word and then for us as ladies we want to look at the word admire now again admiring is something we we tend to oh, I admire that dress or that person with their talent but there's things in our husband's personality their character that we can admire and communicate to them so we're going to define this word admire it means we will regard our husband with respect and warm approval there's a difference between i approve of you and warm approval Amen. When I admire my husband with warm approval, it's not even what I say. It's the whole package of what I'm communicating. The aura. The aura. I will look on him with pleasure. Can you imagine, ladies? You remember before you were married, you couldn't wait to see him, right? And you couldn't wait to look into his eyes, and you just, oh, I could melt your heart, Right? It can still be that way. And to look on him with pleasure. In our early marriage, something happened in my brain, and some of these things got left behind. And sometimes the way I looked on him was far from being pleasurable. It was more looking on him with frustration, uh, criticism, any number of things. So we need to make that shift to look on our husband with pleasure, to delight in him and appreciate him. He isn't going to see things the way I do in every situation. He isn't going to do the things I do. He's not going to do the things I do my way. He's going to do those same things in his personality, in his way. But we can appreciate our husband to esteem him and to recognize his true value and worth. Adventist home page 103 says this very beautifully. God has ordained 
that there should be a perfect love in harmony in this relationship. Perfect? How can imperfect people, well, it's just like being imperfect people, we can receive what we lack from a perfect Savior, right? Mm -hmm. That's salvation. It isn't going to be because of anything we have to offer. It's the same in the marriage. And it goes on, it says, the wife is to respect and reverence her husband. That's lost in much of the world and society today. And the husband is to love and cherish the wife. You know, our default mode, that's, that's what, uh, that's a phrase that I coined. The default, the default mode is that we find out in the me focus that we go back to what I want. What you will do for me. What I need. That's the default mode that we slip into. And it is opposite of what I just read there. Mm -hmm. Because I want her to do what I want. But there's an amazing thing. And God's economy is full of this. There's an amazing thing when we do what God puts in our heart by faith towards the one that we vowed to love and cherish. God will energize us in those choices. And what we give, and, and I know situations, as I'm thinking right now, where one or the other spouse has sought to do that, has begun to do that, and it's like it's repelled. But I tell you, if we won't give up, the blessing that we are intending to give to the other person will at least come back upon us in blessing. Mm -hmm. But it will often, in, in our experience over 28 years of ministry, most of the time, that change will begin to break down the barriers and love will grow. Yeah, our relationships were never designed to be stagnant. If we are not growing in our love, we are not, we are not stationary. We are slowly slipping. Things like this, we take each other for granted. I know what he thinks. He can do his thing, I'll do mine. People go, they start in little decisions, and over time they're bigger decisions, and over time they become bigger decisions until, unfortunately, in some situations, they live under the same roof, but they don't live in love. God wants us to live in love. He says it in perfect love and harmony. And none of us in this room, no matter how great our relationship is at this very moment, has hit this, this point. That means that every single day we have the privilege to grow that love into more completeness in him and more love and harmony with each other. Also, the other thing about these little cards that you did this here today is to get our minds channeling back to the positive. Both men and women, because it's, we, it's the depraved human nature, it's always easy to think about the things we don't like, we don't appreciate. 
you know, versus the things that we do. It's always easier to be a little more negative than it is positive. And so here is another one of those powerful one-sentence principles that we oftentimes read over when we're doing our devotions or we read over when it's even maybe in the Sabbath school lesson for the week and we don't take time to contemplate it and we certainly don't take any time to apply it to our lives. So today we want you to apply the, the one my husband shared in Adventist Home, page 103, and this one found, the, found in the book Ministry of Healing, page 360. Let all, that includes everybody in the room, let all seek to discover the excellencies rather than the defects. That's what that whole exercise on that card was about. Because before you were married, you were not writing a list of everything you couldn't stand about that person. Or in, you wouldn't have gotten married. Or you wouldn't have gotten married. You were letting your mind channel in the excellencies that you loved, that drew your heart. And we need to spend our time and energy going back and developing that kind of mind um, discipline to discover the excellencies. Because I can tell you that if we were to write a list today, it would have more than 20 things on it because we only allowed ourselves to write what was pre-marriage, okay? Now, after 37 years, practicing this discovering the excellencies, we could write pages. And that's what God designs us to do. So what we're going to do now is we're going to look at how Husbands adore and wives admire in the context of those definitions. So there's two references that I could share many, but there's two that I want to highlight today that have become very meaningful to me. Ephesians 5.25, which says, Husbands, love your wife even as Christ loved the church and did what? Gave himself for it. Now, I love this verse because I thought I understood this when we got married. I only laugh because of my foolishness of thinking and how little I understood about my selfishness. I had that text memorized before I said I do. Okay? And I was in love with this girl. And after he got married, he quoted it to me. And then the rest of the verse about what the wives are supposed to do. Well, that's, yeah, that's 22, it comes before 25. Wives submit. Anyway, but... I didn't understand it. I didn't have the capacity to love her except when the sun was shining and everything was going right. And that just isn't how marriage works. And so I wasn't loving her as Christ loved the church. And I wasn't giving. I was taking. And that's not how God works. God wants to change us. And he has been changing me over the years to understand that love. Now my wife feels very loved. Not just in human love, but in terms of Christ working in me, that kind of love, because that's the only way it works. In 1 Peter 3.7, this is a beautiful text for men who are married. It says, give honor unto your wife. And a lot of, well, some, some of you guys might be saying, Is that, that's in the Bible? <laughs> yeah, we've missed it. Give honor 
unto your wife. Oh, I thought she was supposed to, <laughs> it's supposed to be for me. It's supposed to honor me and respect me. I'm noble. I'm, well, that should be happening if we're being those things. But this says give honor to your wife. And it is a beautiful thing when we will do that in the grace of God. Another definition of honor is to esteem as priceless and precious. Amen. And when he expresses his love for me, that is how I feel, priceless and precious in his eyes. And that grows my love in response. The more we love, the more we give our love, the greater the love is that comes back to us. And it's a never-ending, getting better all the time cycle. So I'm just going to share with you, for lack of time, we, we could do many, but for the lack of time we have, one way that I know that my husband has switched from the past and you know, over the last years, has that love is growing, that adoring is growing. Whenever we communicated by phone, if we weren't together, if I were to call him, and usually, you know, wives, we have a good... Sometimes we don't always pick the most convenient time to call our husbands. And he may be busy or consumed or whatever, and he picks up the phone in the past. He'd say, yep, or hello. Think about it, men. How do you answer the phone when your wife calls you? What kind of response do you have? But now for years, no matter when I call him, what time of day it is if we're separated, how busy he is, this is the kind of response he gives me when I call him. Hello, my love, with that inflection in his voice. It is forever embedded in my mind. Now, it's not every single time, and he likes to switch it up a bit, but it's every bit as endearing and, and loving. How's the love of my life? Yeah, how's the love of my life? <laughs> I can't tell you how much that means to me, but I'm sure as you think about your relationship to your husband here, it would do something to grow your love for him if you had that kind of greeting. Now, I know he's busy. I know he's got things on his plates. I know sometimes he's under time pressures and other things. But he is learning that regardless of how focused he may be, it's not a reason not to greet me with love. Greet me with, with friendliness. Right? So that's one of the things. We have a whole list, but we'll go on to some other things. One of the things that I've come to recognize in honoring my wife, giving to my wife, okay, as Christ loved the church and gave. Sometimes, because we've been married 37 years, we recognize things in, in each other, and we recognize how we handle certain situations. And one of the things that the Lord has brought to me to to really honor my wife and, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil <laughs> is that when we are in a situation that I recognize may not be stressful for me, sometimes it is, but when I particularly become sensitive to the Holy Spirit that my wife is under pressure and that she is stressed right now and that her mind is very focused on what needs to happen, I used to just, just barge right into that space. I mean, we got great communication. Let's just 
say whatever's on my mind. And, and I do tend to be a person that just says things pretty straight. So Yes, you do, dear. So I've learned, or am learning, I, every, every time I say I've learned, I correct myself, or the Holy Spirit corrects me. I am learning. And it's happening more successfully that when I recognize that, first by the Spirit, that I don't just charge in there like a bull in a china cabinet, and I, I just don't say anything, and it is so beautiful because it has averted needless agitation, mm -hmm. needless misunderstanding, and sometimes now she recognizes it later. She recognizes the situation and knows that I would have, in the past, just said it anyway. It's my wife, right? And that's a little thing, but it's made a... Yeah, it's a little thing, but it's very big. It's very big. It's that sensitivity to one another and where we're coming from. Another thing that... Um, you know, in this, this line of husbands giving honor to their wives, my husband likes to do lots of things and um, for me and for our family and for where we live. And I went to town one day with my mother, and when I came back, my husband was so excited. He had the big grin on his face, and he says, I have a surprise for you. I thought, wow, he did a surprise for me. Isn't that exciting? So I said, what is it? He said, uh, you have to come and you have to figure it out. It's going to be a little uh, test for you. See if you could, can tell what surprise I did for you. And so as we were coming into the garage with the car, the first thing I noticed was the garage floor had been swept out. We live on eight miles of gravel. So you can imagine two or three times in the garage, you know, it's going to be dusty. So he's very good at keeping the garage orderly, very good. But due to busyness, you know, it hadn't been swept out for a little while. And that's the first thing I noticed. He called it the garage test. And he said, I have done seven things in the No, you didn't tell me how many. Yeah, he I did. Oh, did you? Okay. I, he said, I said I had a quiz for you yes. just for fun. But seven things, see how many you could guess. And I had fun looking around. And it meant a lot to him. And I didn't get all seven. She got four out of seven. I got four out of seven. but That's it, pretty good, though. I mean, before I ever knew I was in, under test mode, the first thing I said is, wow, you slept the garage out, you know? And then one of the ones I missed is that he moved the ladder from where it had been sitting for the last two months to where it really belonged. But <laughs> my, my eyes had new, put it in a new place, right? It had been there for two months. So I didn't know it went on this wall instead of that wall. But anyway. And we had the grandchildren there earlier. Yeah, I noticed the trikes and the yeah. little tricycles were put away. But anyway, we want to give you that side of it. Fun, we call it. Fun. Ma have fun in your marriage. You know, it's, it's outside of just what we tend to think of in the marriage, you know, that can really be fun. It's in all kind of ways. So that's a little bit for the men. And we're going to talk a little bit about our roles as wives to admire our husband. There's two verses, many verses in Scripture, but these two stick out to me and have really helped me to become a more godly and loving and respectful wife to my husband. Both found in Proverbs chapter 31. The first one I want to share is verse 12. Contemplate this, wives. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Think about it. Good and not evil. That's all-inclusive, isn't it? That's the words we speak, the attitudes we have, even how we allow our, our brains to process. 
all the has brain through a lot of processing. Yes, all has to fall under the category of good and not evil. For me, it backed it all the way back up to how I allowed my thoughts to no longer run in the channel that my human nature wanted to let them run in, but to call myself accountable to those thoughts and make sure that what circulated in my brain about my husband was only good and not evil. And that was huge to really uh, explode our love and marriage. And the second verse, that the heart of her husband, this is verse 11, so I'm kind of going in reverse. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. We have no ill in mind for him, but he can trust us. He can trust us to be honest. He can trust us to be forthright. He can trust us to spend the money right without you know doing stuff on the side never telling him and not being accountable all these areas it's again it's it's all in, all inclusive in in the life and it means husbands for me one of the aspects of trusting safely in my wife she used to say to me something like this honey that woman has eyes for you and i would say something on like a rare this. occasion yeah, rare occasion i'd say no, she doesn't. <laughs> You're just insecure. Now, we had to grow through that because I found out something very early in our marriage when I was responding like that, that my wife's intuitive, and maybe it's just the Holy Spirit, but my wife has never been wrong in 37 years of marriage where she's had an intuitive thought like that. She said, my boss, after we got married, is a man that cannot be trusted. He's immoral. That was the word you used. I thought you were going to say, <laughs> last time I said that, she said, well, and, that? And, I, and I also, what I remember is, I'm very uncomfortable being around him. And I said, he's my boss. Six months later, the whole scandal came out. And she was completely right. And, and, and I mean, from then on, every time she gets those intuitions. So now, whenever she gives me a caution, we, I do not counsel with women alone, okay? I do not counsel women on the phone. I'm not saying I never talk to a woman. But she counsels the women, I counsel the couples, or we counsel the couples together. And you counsel the men. And I counsel the men. Just to be... Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Because when your wife recognizes something and she shares that with you, don't just write her off. If she is trying to be, choosing to be this kind of woman, you can safely trust in her. And women see it coming and men are clueless. We just counsel a couple. We're in a devastating situation because her, she said... To my wife, my husband, I'm afraid he's going down the wrong track. He's getting too friendly with this woman. And, and then we ended up on a four-way conversation. He said, no, no, no. No, she's just insecure. Well, he ended up being unfaithful to her within the months because she was spot on. And he said, no, it was nothing. So, man, we need to safely trust in our wives. And that's giving honor to them. Mm-hmm. Again, there's many more things we can. I know we need to move on, but there's many more things we can share. 
But we encourage you to fill out those cards and then talk about them. And that's the best part. That's the best part. And then what you're going to do to grow it, find your two favorite verses on, on wives and your two favorite verses on husbands and go from there. And, and let that be something that stimulates your love growth in your marriage. Did we ever get another mic or no? We're going to share that one. Okay. All right. Yeah, we're going to share this one. Okay, so we're going to attempt to do something that we, we do a lot, but we've never done it this way with the PA thing. We're going to close with singing a song, and at the very end of that, we're going to have prayer, and then we're going to do the drawing. So, Father in heaven, we're thankful. We're thankful for bringing us together with the one that stands beside us. Well, Father, may we not lose the commitment to you or to the enduring commitment. May we allow the Holy Spirit to influence and change the direction of our thoughts if they're going the wrong direction. If our love is growing, may it continue to grow stronger as we're willing to take this simple exercise of adoring and admiring the one that you've given us. Help our minds to go back and relive and rebuild off of the blessings of what brought us together and make our marriages a little bit more representation of your relationship to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.